what is essential in business is you need to have action backed by a willingness to learn. And what that means to me and how I translate that is that because I'm an action taker, if I'm taking action, even if it's the wrong action, I will be at least 50% ahead of the person that is in this figuring stage. They're just sitting back figuring, right? Like I haven't figured out what I want to do. I haven't figured out what my passion is. Well, I'm like, well, I just ran down 20 trails and I'm back here at start. And I know those 20 trails aren't going to work for me. And those are not my passions, but I've been taking action. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Dom Slice Tyke. Now, that's right. He has a nickname as cool as Slice, and that's because Dom is a fighter pilot by trade. He's also an entrepreneur. He's done all sorts of cool stuff. And while we're talking to Dom today, we are going to be grilling out. If you can see that, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, that is a turkey breast heavily covered in barbecue season. It's not a heart. I know we're getting close to Thanksgiving and that looks a little, or excuse me, Halloween. I know it looks a little gruesome there, uh, but we're going to be doing some good old fashioned grocery store bought uh, turkey breast. So hello, Dom. Welcome to the show. Hey, Jared. Looking forward to being here. So we're going to throw our stuff on the grill here, moving over to grill cam. And usually I don't, uh, usually I'm doing tongs, but I've got my, my, uh, my grill hands here that I'm going to put them on. We're using the pellet smoker again today. Dom, do you ever grill out? Yeah, we got to, uh, I got one of those big green egg thingamajiggers. Ooh, yes. So I've had those uh, for years, and I love them. It's just a lot of, uh, a lot of time and effort. Yep. It's if you want to uh, do something, uh, it's a commitment. Yep, it's a commitment. It's, if you don't like tinkering around with stuff, it's not the right thing to get. Yeah, I, uh, so I've had one. I love it, and yep. you can get a great sear on a steak like that and you can do all sorts of cool stuff but it is quite a bit of you know like pomp and circumstance to get that started so these i mean these pellet grills yeah i don't know but i do get some hate from that like it's not you know if you're a barbecue purist it's ah you're not really barbecuing and okay whatever at no point was this like a culinary show i lived six years in in texas and uh that's a good way to to maybe get some hate going through a conversation but uh man the pizzas pizzas on the green egg oh yeah i can't even believe it they're like a i've done that yeah oh my goodness it's you throw them in there and then again but if it's just your family and you throw one it feels like it was a lot to throw one pizza in there so you kind of feel like you need to make like three or four oh we always make four or five of them just to make sure nice so dom like i said he has a killer nickname so tell me how, how did you get the nickname slice any tight knit group that you're in, they're probably going to give you some sort of nickname. And it's usually, uh, I haven't found one yet, even from a kid or playing baseball or, or doing anything where I got to make my own nip- nickname. So your, your friends or your peers, uh, give that to you. It's usually because you did something stupid. <laughs> in my case, I had a, uh, really close pass with, um, another fighter jet when I was kind of a, a young whippersnapper, uh, in the F 16. And, uh, we almost uh, hit each other while we were doing some, uh, for lack of better term, just some dog fighting. So um, they said I tried to slice my instructor in half, and that kind of fit too, because <laughs> I was living in Japan at the time, and and we were in a, uh, the squadron was the uh, the samurai squadron, so it kind of fit the theme, oh, wow. and it fit my my uh, jackassery, 
and uh, I broke some training rules and and almost uh, dived, but I died. But I'm uh, living living to tell the story now. <laughs> well, I mean, you landed with slice. There's a lot of nicknames that could have been worse. Like oh, if I'm not saying I'm around. not even going to tell you what they used to call me. Like I've been called all sorts of stuff. I'm just glad my my. Uh, my friends don't get to choose the nickname that walks around and yeah. follows me through my career. Everybody be introducing me as like, this is Jared Bubbleguts Morgan or, you know, <laughs> some terrible nickname that they could have given me, yeah. right? Um, so, first of all, thank you for your service. It's it's so cool to, to meet somebody who had a, a career like yours and moved into entrepreneurship. So, for the benefit of the listeners, can you kind of go back and give a quick run through your background, how you, you know, tell us a little bit about what you did in the military and then how you got to where you are. Yeah. So I'm actually still in the military. I'm a, uh, I'm a full-time reservist, which has been really nice because I can, I can run the businesses and we're not moving. So as probably a lot of people know that the military, depending on what career field you're in, you're either moving a lot or you're doing, you're going on deployments. Um, you're on temporary duty assignments. And after about, um, let's see, it was probably six moves in 12 years and oh, wow. uh, two deployments and over 30 temporary duty assignments around the world. Uh, Mama was was ready to kind of settle down a little bit. And uh, we ended up moving to Phoenix, Arizona, and, and we liked it here. So excellent. Yeah, we've just had we've just been really blessed in our life to get get the job here. Um, I started out um, my, my childhood's its own story. But like I, I got the bug to fly and went through civilian flight school which then landed me a job um, at 18 while I was going through college to teach people how to fly. So I did the civilian route first. And then wow. while, I was, while I was doing that, I was applying to the Air Force um, to become an officer because ultimately I, I wanted to be a fighter pilot. Um, but then I was also applying to airlines and I got selected to do both at the same time and realized that you know I can always go back and do the airlines at a later date. So went through the Air Force. Um, that's its own uh, you, you know, you compete to get in. And then once you get in, you're just always competing to get to the next level. Uh, and then I ended up in a, in a single seat, uh, fighter jet, the F 16. And I've been doing that ever since. And, and I'm actually, a, a, an instructor in the uh, schoolhouse now. So I get to teach, uh, either guys that need recurrent training or they're coming back. They've been out of the jet a little while, but the, the majority of our students are brand new, um, to the F 16. So we get to teach them everything. Uh, you know, how to start it, how to taxi it around, take off, drop bombs, shoot the gun, intercept other fighters and, and do all that fun stuff. That's so cool. You just ran through about 45% of the plot of Top Gun 2, by the way. Like, <laughs> it's the teacher comes back, right? That's so cool. And and you said you were deployed twice, you said? Yep, yep. Deployed. Deployed uh, where? Are you allowed to say? Are we allowed to ask that? Yeah, I was, it's Middle East. I mean, we've been, we've been doing contingency operations since, what, uh, the Gulf War? Yeah in the middle east and and you could say that humanity has been fighting contingency operations since uh well abram originated in yeah. ur in biblical times right yeah. turned into abraham uh later on so we've been there a hot minute fighting and it's it's still going on unfortunately we're just we just we just moved it north a little bit recently to ukraine <laughs> for sure yeah exactly well and thank you again for your service and it's it's such an honor to talk to somebody who's who's put in so much so uh, you moved to the reservists and you started up a career in real estate, I think, right? Yep. So, um, I grew up, um, watching my, my dad buy single family homes and he had nine or 10 of them growing up. So I, it was just kind of, it was kind of in our DNA that, you know, and, and he had invested in the stock market and he traded 
traded commodities. He's been the CEO and CFO, all the C's and all the different alphabets of the letter in the businesses he's been in. So I got to see a guy that was fairly business oriented, owned real estate. And that's how I kind of got that um, itch, if you will. And when we moved to Phoenix, we bought our first uh, single family home and it kind of grew out from there. Now, are you doing long-term rentals or are you, how, how does that work? Yeah, we're, we're right now we're doing primarily long-term rentals. There are, I do know some people that are doing um, short-term stuff, but I just don't have the bandwidth. I got four kids and a, a full-time Air Force job. And so the property management side of the house, you know, they, they take care of a lot of the, the nuts and bolts of the daily, you know, all the, the, the little transactional stuff that is not very well attuned to my type of personality. I'd, I'd prefer that somebody else does that because some other people like to do that stuff. I don't. Yeah. I mean, I, the only reason you would do that is if you could turn a significantly higher profit and that's not always the case. It just sort of depends on, pretty sure it depends on what the area is and everything else. Like yeah. That. And in real estate, usually what I've seen from people is they don't necessarily um, do their property management to make more money. They do it for more control just to know exactly um, who they're leasing to, um, how they do that, and just to basically to control the process. Um, but but all the guys that I've talked to, the, the whole doing the property management, if you're doing it for money, um, it usually does not, the, the, the time investment in does not equal more dollars out. Yeah. In my family, we've done that, you know, through the years, if we had a rental property, you know, if you, you have to decide whether you want to put in the effort um, and get, you know, reap more rewards or you want to trade ease for, you know, less profit. Uh, but it's yep. certainly a lot easier if you're in long term. Now, obviously, you talk a lot about that. Uh, but you've, you've also created this book, right? You've got the first book, it was single, it was single seat mindset, right? Well, so single seat mindset is the the company that's the okay, um, we are writing the single seat mindset book right now. But the single seat series of books, if you will, is People may ask, like, well, why single seat? Well, our jets that we fly in the F-16, it's a single seat fighter. So it does bring a different um, type of person and personality to do that type of job, as you can imagine. Um, so the first book I actually wrote was Single Seat Investor. And that was about 14 years of just chicken scratch notes and books and stuff that I compiled together. Because as I was, as I kind of went into, if you're familiar with um, a part apartment syndication. So I, I buy and run the deal myself, but then investors put money in and they passively invest. Well, single seat investor was essentially a compilation of um, notes from many years, as well as books, as well as what my business does. And in, you know, probably less than two hours, if somebody said, Hey, I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested in doing that. Well, this isn't a stock trade where you can put in a thousand bucks. There's usually... Right. Um, a lot higher capital needed. So it also allowed me to define my ideal client up front, but then also allow somebody to see that, hey, I wrote a book on this. I'm not this, I'm not dabbling in this. This is this is a serious business. It involves a lot of money, time, effort, energy, um, and lives. I mean, there are people living in our properties too. So there's a lot of legal ramifications that, as you can imagine, that go along with um, you know, property management and all that kind of stuff. So the single seat is that that concept is a thread through every facet of your life right now. Can you unpack that a little bit? What does that mean exactly to have a single seat mindset uh, or single seat anything? Yeah. So from training, essentially, you know, pilots, even civilian pilots and, and airline pilots, they're the training is very structured and it's um, you know, there's there's syllabus and there's there's 
hurdles and goals that you you achieve through that and you also you build this um very uh analytical and um step by step type of mindset as you learn to be a pilot i mean like i said i was a civilian instructor pilot before um i went in the military um but what i noticed is i made that shift to be a single seat uh fighter jet pilot is there's a different edge that goes along with doing that because you don't really have the option of somebody looking over your shoulder and just backing you up. Now we do have radios and we very rarely fly by ourselves. We are typically in two or three or four um, and sometimes eight, 12 um, formations where we, that's how we go into combat, but um, you're in your own jet. So if something goes wrong, if a hydraulic system goes down or something like that, you need to know what the heck to do. You need to know what switches to push. Um, and that just that just generates a little bit different of a mentality um, that uh, if you are a lazy person, <laughs> that mentality doesn't work well because if you're not studying and keeping up on that, um, you, you kind of need to know what to do or at least the first step, right? And the reason I started Single Seat Mindset was um, I realized that a lot of the stuff that I was using um, to help during during COVID, a class was really stu- uh, struggling. So I had um, started sending them a short two-minute message each week, and that just kind of that leveraged into you know I I had a I had businesses I had two businesses at that point. So I had just it was easy for me to start a new website and a blog, and then to put it into a dig- not easy, but like I did it, and it we put it into like a digital format so people could sign up for it and get access to this. And then that's when I started seeing, um, other than fighter pilots, a lot of this stuff is very applicable. Um, because you know, fighter pilots are fairly goal oriented. Would you describe yourself like that? Uh, Yeah, I would be, I would very much goal oriented. Yeah. These things are, are very leverageable to you too, because goal oriented people, as you probably can imagine, like slow processes, long-winded programs, just hurdles, no deliverable outcome, all of those things frustrate us, right? So with those frustrations, right. you know, fighter pilots, like the like we have over 40 now part of single seat mindset and fighter pilots are trained to make those split decisions in, you know, environments that are, that are taxing, combat, stressful, 800 plus miles an hour. And those decision-making skills are very leverageable into high-performance professions. Um, and that's kind of why we we all banded together was f- for many different reasons. Single seat mindset. We give all the money away to a children's cancer nonprofit. Oh wow! You know, there's a huge help that goes out from that. But then the older fighter pilots that have been around, they put their stories into um, a series which we we call single seat wisdom. So it's the wisdom of fighter pilots um, applied to practical life with a short. Um, actionable message at the end of each chapter. And each book has 20 chapters from 20 different fighter pilots. And then the other piece of it is that the young, the young dudes, the next generation, they're growing up and they're, they're getting to see a lot of this stuff in the, in the digital form, whether that's, you know, uh, YouTube or the social medias and all that kind of stuff. So it kind of has a multi-tiered approach. And at no point, Jared, did I ever think that I would be writing books, building websites and doing this kind of stuff. It just has grown into that, um, and it's given us a lot of purpose, me specifically, because we're giving giving the money away, right? So it's not about money, right? And it's it's more of kind of a it's a fun game, and it gives you know my feet hit the ground in the morning, and it's it's easier to roll out of bed because you know that your your purpose is rooted in something that's more than just a business to make money, which 
uh, is fun. Making money's fun. Sure. Um, but at a point, if it's only about money, that that'll burn you out. Yeah, it's always about something bigger. We've talked about, we call it kind of the because. Like whatever you say after the word because is a powerful thing, right? I mean, you say, oh, I'm, I'm working hard because, and that next thing you say is really what motivates you. Or, you know, I didn't succeed or I, I gave up because, and that whatever you say after that is what, you know, won over, right? And won and beat you. And so it sounds like, you know, you found this because relative to what you're doing with single seat. And um, I think that's really cool. And I think more people, even when you're not, like that's a real tangible, you've got a direct line to a charity there. But even when you're not doing that, when you're still building your business, you need something bigger than you, bigger than your bank account to motivate you to climb a mountain, right? Or to to topple a giant or to take on billion dollar competitors or whatever. Um, to me, I've always had to have something bigger that motivates you. And I love what you talk about with the single seat mindset, because it means that you can't, you no longer get to depend on somebody else. I mean, you do have other people in your tribe around you, but if something goes wrong, it's on you to fix. And I think that's a, uh, more people need that mindset these days, not just in business, but in, in life, really. Yep. Um, a lot of our listeners are early in their career or early in their sort of entrepreneurial journey. So if someone's getting ready to start a business or has just started a business, what kind of advice would you give them to kind of give them that single seat mindset? A couple things come to mind. There is one word that always comes to mind and that's action um, or lack of action. So if you are not taking action, you're not doing anything, then then don't go into business because you have to have a concerted effort and some very specific steps that you're taking and you have to have a plan every single day. So if you're not, if you're somebody that is lackadaisical or you lack those skills, that doesn't necessarily mean don't go into business, but you need to have a team. And so I think there's a a misnomer that, hey, we're single seat fighter pilots and we kind of just do whatever we want. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We are, there's a certain mentality, like you were saying, where you are taking ownership of what's going on inside your own jet. But what that means is that your actions now are, they directly contribute to the success or the failure, the outcome of that mission, because we're working as a team. Yeah. So the big thing to look at is what what am I using on my team? Who's on my team and how do I leverage their skills, right? Because I'm always looking at, at that as like a fighter pilot too, is like, hey, which wingman do I have today that that may have a better chance? Like if we're actually going into war, like who am I going to pick for that? Um, who's better at so-and-so? You know, hey, this guy did something cool on the mission. I'm going to have him jump on the radio or, or you know, drop a bomb over here or they're going to they're going to commit on this group over there. So I think the kind of to sum that up is you need to have an action-based mindset, but then if you are a person that is I'll just do everything on my own, um good luck. That's going to that's going to that's yeah. going to flame Nobody's nobody's good at everything, right? No. I mean, so you're going to do something you're going to you're going to suck at something. Yeah. If you do it and that I mean way. 85 I th- I think there's a couple things too is that our world generally um supports employees, right? So if you go on social media and you see your buddy get hired at a big business, he's going to get all these likes and thumbs up. But if you start your own business, it's just, it's, it's like 3%. <laughs> like people just don't yeah. support that type of mentality right now. So just realize it's, it's kind of a, you, um, you're, you're going to have to fight through some of that stuff. And I've found in the first year, it's the most turbulent. And then after about three years, you'll start to kind of wrap your arms around what's going on. You'll call that phase one. Um, but that's, um, just be ready, be mentally ready for 
you know, all of those things that pop up and, and as you roll your feet out of the bed, you know, in the morning, if you're looking for a peaceful day and you're a business owner, you've already set yourself up for failure because you just got to <laughs> right. be ready for those, those things that are going to be thrown at you every single day. And if, if that is upending your life, well then maybe business is not for you, but an action mindset, realizing that there's going to be a lot of people that tell you no, and that just means no right then, right there, right, you know, right now it means no, but that doesn't mean no, never. And then just realize for the first several, at least for me, maybe I'm a slow learner, but for at least the first year, you're just, you're going to be learning a lot. I fired 85% of the people that I initially hired in my first year because I had the wrong CPA. I had the wrong contractor. I didn't have a foreman running the deals for me. I didn't have the right property manager, you know, it just, you name it. Um, but 15%, the way I looked at it was I was like, well, I did 15% of it right. So let me just figure <laughs> yeah. out what the other things are. Well, there's there's value in iteration too. And I'm going to check the grill while we're talking. There's value in iterating on the process too and just trying things out. We talk all the time on the show about progress over perfection. Yeah, baby. Speaking of progress, look at that turkey. Okay. Um, there's value in you know getting out and swinging the axe and figuring out what worked and what didn't work. And hey, I bet the next time you hired a CPA, you had a much better picture on what you were hiring, right? Yeah, I did. That's that's the beauty of failure. Yep. And there's that, you know, Jared, I think the the big um, thing that you just made me think of there is as you're going through your day as a business owner, you know, you you need to have some quiet time in the morning, which for me, I had little kids. So I had to wake up at four in the morning, (laughs) you know, just to have an hour where I could go, okay, where is this going? Where are our pain points? Who's doing the thing? How do I give feedback to them? Have I given feedback to them multiple times? Do they need to be removed? Does somebody else need to be plugged in? So that quiet time, that silence in the morning, whether that's spiritual prayer or or whatever, that really just kind of calms your whole day down and helps you, you know, like what's my intention this week? And at the end of the week, you ask yourself, man, I am super pissed about X, Y, Z. Well, X, Y, and Z those are your three pain points. And if you run away from them and pretend like they're not there, you're just going to wallow in that pain for months. Now, when I hired that new CPA, it was like three or four months of just pain, getting just endless amounts of documents yeah. and everything, right? But once once that started to churn, now it's like maybe once a quarter, I have to do some some accounting style stuff, which just means me uploading and answering questions, right? Um, but yeah, so there's that pain piece as a business owner. And if you run, if you're one that runs from pain, a lot of times that pain is your answer. Um, and man, that just, you get it over with. I mean, I just, as of this recording this last week, I had to fire a property manager and hire a new one. And just the pain of resetting that whole process up on an entirely different property. Um, but I can already feel the, the weight kind of being lifted off, you know, as you have a phone conversation, I had one with her this morning and she just down there nailing it. Right. So that pain is starting to be eased a little bit. Um, but getting to that decision, right? Like it, it's, it's tough. Friction is where the opportunity usually is, right? I mean, if you're feeling friction somewhere, something's not working right, or there's a challenge somewhere, that's where if you can push and run head on into it, that's usually where you can make the most progress. That's usually where you can, um, you know, if you can succeed there, you're going to see the most positive impact to either whatever the situation is, your job, your life, your career. And uh, that's, but that's counterintuitive, right? You said earlier, like, you know, 
somebody gets a job, they get a bunch of likes. You get a lot less likes if you uh, start a business. I pr you probably get the most likes today if you quit your job, right? And you announce yeah. on there, ah, I no quit kidding. that place. And that's like <laughs> a million likes, right? Yeah. And that's such a... That's such a, you know, the whole concept of quiet quitting and all this crap that I, that I yep. read about today, which drives me nuts. It's just the wrong mentality of running away from the friction. And if I can take it, I would love to get your thoughts on this, but if I can go on like a 10 second rant on the quiet quitting concept. Yeah. So the concept of quiet quitting, if people haven't heard that before, is this kind of Gen Z millennial thing of or really anybody, I guess, of, you know what, my, my career has been dominating my life for a long time and I'm going to do only what is asked of me and nothing more. And I'm going to sit back and I'm going to stop burning the candle at both ends and I'm going to whatever. And that usually, I understand that for sure. I understand where people are coming from. And I don't think the I don't know the the feeling of that is wrong. I don't I don't think noticing that you're not getting your due for the extra effort that you're putting in, you're correct in noticing that. But quiet quitting doesn't feel like kind of a winner's response to that situation. Like maybe you should just actually quit. You know, maybe you should go get a better situation that rewards you for that extra effort. They are out there and it might even be you having to start your own thing. But it just feels like a a loser's reaction to a friction situation where you're not getting back what you're putting in. And so you just give up instead of saying, I'm going to go find somewhere where my efforts are valued. Does that, I mean, I don't know how you feel about that kind of stuff. Probably doesn't line up with a single seat mindset. You couldn't have said it any better. And I, I think the, the, the words that you described initially was, you know, cause, cause I've thought of this too, cause this is a new concept to me and it's completely foreign. I don't understand it. Um, I am, I'm, I'm on board with you, Jared, where if, if, if you're going to, it's a loser's reaction, right? The word quit, right? Yeah. But the thing is, is sometimes you are in the wrong job and you need to quit that job because it doesn't fit you or your life circumstances, or maybe, um, maybe you took it for the wrong reasons or what, what have you, but that does not mean that you need to sit back and soak up a paycheck and be a loser right? You need to provide right. some value for what you're getting paid for, right? Um, so I, I agree with you. I think that um, there's, this, there's this erroneous idea that if you sit around long enough or, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know how to explain it because I haven't really thought super in depth about it, but, oh, you know, I, I, it just doesn't give me a whole lot of purpose or that's not my passion, right? And, and you're like, well, what, what did you do? Like, are you expecting passion and purpose to just fall in your lap? And yeah. you, you mentioned something earlier about um, what I say is action, right? So if I was to like essential in business, what is essential in business is you need to have action backed by a willingness to learn. And what that means to me and how I translate that is that because I'm an action taker, if I'm taking action, even if it's the wrong action, I will be at least 50% ahead of the person that is in this figuring stage. They're just sitting back figuring, yep. right? Like I haven't figured out what I want to do. I haven't figured out what my passion is. Well, I'm like, well, I just ran down 20 trails and I'm back here at start. And I know those 20 trails aren't going to work for me. And those are not my passions, but I've been taking action. Now, granted, if you have a coach or a guide, which is what single seat mindset does is that you've got not just me, you've got 40 plus fighter pilot guides that are sharing their wisdom and their information. And if you have a guide now, instead of running down 20 paths, you might have to run down four, but you still have to be taking action. Like there's the mindset, then there's the guide or the coach piece, 
but then I can't motivate you to run or to work out or to or to do those things. You have yeah. to do them. You have to try them. And and that is there's the academic piece that the college students get nowadays. They get all this knowledge. We're in this information age, but they don't know how to practically apply it because it's not taught because that's they have taken no action. And that action is earned through a concerted effort as a business owner, as an employer, whatever. And so as you're doing those actions, you're going to find out what you like and what you don't like. And those pain points, like we were talking about earlier, and like you were saying, don't quiet quit. Just quit. If it's the wrong job. Yeah, actually quit. Yeah. <laughs> Take ownership of your own. This exactly. yes. Just grow up yeah. You know, and realize that your happiness and your success financially, spiritually, as a person, as a parent, as a brother, a sister, or whatever, is up to you. And in the and again, your word action, I love. Take action. Do something about it. I said the last episode, I said something that got a couple chuckles, but it was, you know, I've made it further in my life with the wrong decision done vigorously than indecision, right? <laughs> and I mean, there's this mentality that, you know, decisions are binary. And, and a lot of times they're not binary. Yeah. You can make a decision and then realize it wasn't really wrong, but there was a better decision, right? Yeah. And so very seldom is there a decision and you go, it was wrong, right? A hundred percent binary, yes or no question. You just, lots of, lots of life is about trying something and then finding something that makes it 20% better and then finding something else that makes it 20% better and just yeah. keep, you know, I always make the joke. I'm a progressionist more than I am a perfectionist. I'd rather make progress over and over than try to sit back and knock it out of the park on the first swing. Yep. Cause that never happens. I like your analogy because I played baseball through junior college and I'm the same way. I was, you know, my, my batting average was only a little bit higher than most because all my, my whole job was, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to hit it off the left field fence. I was just trying to get to first base. And if I walk, yeah, put it in play. Yeah. Just get it in play and or walk or get hit by the ball. But my job was to get to first base. And, and that's kind of how I view life is like, what am I doing to just take that first step? Just like I was saying before, single seat mindset. I had no plans to build a business with it. I had no plans to write books and do any of this stuff, but I took that first step. And the first step was, Hey, there's, you know, these young dudes, they need something. And as you're going through your life, that's how you start businesses. You go, yes. Hey, what is, what is my, uh, area of expertise? How do I leverage that and package that in a way to solve somebody's pain, right? And when you do that, that's where stuff kind of starts to happen. And that's that's what I did. Is I was I was like, man, these guys are in pain. They they need just a little bit. And what my my initial message is to these young students, uh, fighter pilots at the time, was about all of my mistakes. Um, and that really humanized me as a person because I said, hey, I did not nail it as a new guy. I I was a total clown act, and I did this. <laughs> And then, oh, by the way, here's how you avoid being a clown. And then if you are a clown, here's how you unclown yourself. Yeah. So here's how you make yourself uh, a good dude again. And so I have made um, uh, just exponentially more mistakes uh, in my life than I've had, um, you know, successes. And so that's also another piece that you have to bring into your life is go, hey, I'm going to make mistakes. And do I have the humility, which I did not when I was young, but I learned it as I got older to admit that I was wrong, to ask for forgiveness, to ask to hit the reset button and start over. And, and that's where a lot of the growth came from. So just finding, finding that piece, you know, in whatever market or, or niche that you're in and going, Hey, there's a pain point here that I can solve. 
and then just just start start doing it. But don't dabble. Yeah. Right. Don't. Yeah. Don't think that like oh I'll just I'll try it. Right. Like that. Well, then you're destining yourself to fail because you're giving yourself an out. So just do it. Do it and try to nail it. And while you do it, you'll learn what doesn't work. And guess what? The whole project may fail. That's not you as a person. That was your. I think it was. Was it Nelson Mandela who said, "I have." winning or learning experiences, something along those lines, meaning you, those, if you have a learning experience, maybe your business you started failed, but your next one is the one where it wins or your employment or, or what have you. Yeah. You have to kind of, I love the idea of like a burn the ships mentality too, where you have to, you're going to get in and you're going to go for it. And not, you were saying like, you know, don't say, Oh, I'm going to dabble. I'm going to try. Like one of the episodes, one of our first episodes here, we had uh, someone by the name of Emily Lay on the show. And not only is she uh, an awesome entrepreneur and a great guest on the show, she's also a friend of mine that I've known for a long time. And she has built this incredible business. She's written a bunch of books. She has this really incredible business where she sells planners and all sorts of stuff that speak to a certain type of woman. And it's really awesome. But I remember years ago when she was just Emily, that I, Emily Cowan, um, and when she was, before she was Emily Lay, and she went into her backyard one time, and before there were selfies, like, got on her phone and said, just gave this, like, manifesto about how she was sick of what she was doing, and she was going to go for it and start her own business and try to make it work. She didn't even have a clue how this is going to work. And I remember thinking when I saw this, man, this girl has put herself out there, and there was no going back after doing that because... She now, she, she forced herself sort of socially that she had to go for it and she had to see it through. She didn't give herself any wiggle room. And I love that idea of, you know, going all in on something. Yeah, maybe there's a financial situation where you can't quit your day job or whatever. Certainly I held down day jobs and night jobs and everything else while I was trying to, you know, I was working a day job, scrubbing toilets on the side for extra money and trying to build my technology business and, 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 right? And you wait until something sort of catches, but it's that activity of rep, you know, repetition, doing things, not getting it right, not getting it right, learning something each time you look up and you're 10 miles further down the road than you were when you were first having the idea to do it. Yep. Yep. And that's the thing too, that is, as you go through your, your business career or whatever you want to call it, as you're building a business, right? It, you're building it, right? So it, as I, as I started building single seat mindset, I was not, I'm not a patient person and I wanted it built, but building a business, building a website, uh, writing a book, these are all things that take time. And so there's a little bit of a patience piece that comes with that. Just going, it may suck right now. I'll keep tweaking it and keep making it better and, and keep trying and keep going for it because at some point, um, what do they say? You're either going to, uh, grit or quit type of thing. But if you give yourself that out, um, as you start, right? Like you, if, if you're not going to just send it, then, then don't start. And I, and I remember I was the same boat as you. When I was in college, I had three day jobs. One of them was being a flight instructor eventually. Right. But I had, I was the head prep cook at a restaurant where I learned how to smoke, smoke a dead animal like you're doing right now. <laughs> I worked at a golf course, uh, and then I, I was teaching flight instruction and I was taking classes at college because I, that's the direction that I wanted to go, but I didn't give myself that out to go, I'm going to try it. No, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to learn from it. And then I'm going to take those skills and I'm going to leverage them in, in any way that I can, uh, to keep building more and more. Yeah. 
Speaking of dead animals, let's let's check ours real quick. We're getting there, drying up a little bit on the outside. The probes are telling me we still got a little ways to go. I'm actually doing it a little slower. I've got it on 265 to kind of slowly bring it to temp. Nice. So, Dom, tell me, you, you've already had this impressive sort of life trajectory. You've done all these cool things. You're in the middle of stuff. Do you have a goal or a, a, a place that you're trying to get to or a vision for where you want to take all of this? Or are you taking it kind of year by year? I do have a vision, but I don't. Um, I read a book. It was written by a professional um, poker player. And what she what she uh, alluded to was if you if you have a vision and you have like a definite end goal, that may lead you into what she called resulting, where you are so focused on that exact end goal that you actually stunt your your progress because um, the, what I call it, I call it zigging and zagging. I don't ever, I've never had a straight line to my goal, right? And a lot of times this vision that you have, this nebulous vision, you may have to climb a different mountain to see the other mountain go, wow, if I tried to climb up that way, I would have died. <laughs> so I right. guess my point, my point being is I do have a vision, um, Initial, initially, it was um, this what's talked about a lot today, which is financial freedom. All right. And then using a an old Greek, um, what, what you would call it, a uh, the Greeks came up with this, right? So it was either it was freedom from versus freedom for. And the, the point being is that I was free from having to have an employment or a business or a job because I had amassed enough wealth, but I didn't know what it was. I was free for. And so from the outside, people could look at like my career and all that kind of stuff and go, well, you're just like massive success. Well, four or five years ago, I had a pretty big mental breakdown because I hadn't defined all of those things that I was going to be free for. Now, granted, there was more than that, right? Turns out when you deploy and and you kill people and, and life happens and you never deal with those things, your, your brain short circuits and you find yourself at a pretty low place. And that was honestly probably one of the best things that ever happened to me because it broke me down. I mean, it broke me down to a point where I was either going to stand up and, and start walking again and then start running or I w it was going to be my demise. Right. And so that was th that huge pain point in my life. And there's been a couple of times in my life that aren't that big, but those pain points taught me a very valuable lesson was I have this vision. Um, but, but why, what, what am I free for? And my freedom for things now are, is to give back, to help, to help raise my kids. And it just helped me align. Right. Yeah. You know, was it Simon Sinek that wrote start with why, right? So like, why am I doing this? Why, why, and really getting to that? Well, why do I want a bigger house? Well, why do I, you know, and asking those questions till you get to that last why, and then you'll find out, oh, that's not the right reason. So that vision is something that is, I've kept, um, I've clarified in, in certain regards, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't set it so definite to where I'm like, if I don't make 20 million bucks by the time I'm 45, I'm a failure, right? Because guess what? You're setting yourself up for failure and then you're aligning your life goals to follow money, which doesn't work. I've, I've done it before and it's failed. Um, so I think the, the vision, yes, I do have that, but it's, it's more of a, it's more of like a, Hey, in 20 years, I want to still be married. I want my kids to be able to come over. I want to be grandpa smoking dead animal on the smoker and, and having a good time. And you can come <laughs> over and use my stuff. 
Um, so that's kind of the bigger life vision is, is how do we share this so other people can use it? And it's not just all about me. And that's the, the last thing that I'll say on that is success from what I've found is very me oriented. I was successful, which is good. Like it's good to, to be successful and to share other things. But then what's the, another S word is what significance does that have? That's the next step. It's what significance does this business have to give back to others? And as soon as you start thinking of that, you go, okay, this is not about me anymore. Like even in my apartment investing company, what shifted and what gave it significance was when I said, I'm my business is not going to make any money. I'm not taking a single cent from the business until my investors get all of their initial capital back. And when I did that, the whole business changed because investors, not only was I investing in my own deals, but investors saw that I wasn't going to make any money unless I ran the deal correctly and they got all their money back. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good bet. By the way, where do I, where do I sign for something like that? That sounds pretty good, right? You know, <laughs> by the way, I love having a fighter pilot talking about freedom. That's, that's a, that's a good spot for the slow smoke business show. But I love how you say finding, it's kind of going back to, we talked about the why or the because or whatever, like it doesn't take long before money and the, the things that you think in the very beginning when you start working hard, you're, man, I will think about the car I could get. Oh, man, think about the – and I certainly thought about that stuff when I was like in my early 20s. Like, ah, I can't wait to the, for the rims that I'm going to put on this car when I get – and <laughs> it doesn't take long for you to realize those things are hollow. I mean, they're fun. It's like a nice new shirt. Yeah. Like, it's cool when you wear it, whatever. Did it change your life? Of course not, right? And most of those things, do they change your life? Of course not. One of, one of the things I have found – with successful people, people that have made a lot of money and had a lot of success, the things that they value the most, the ones I think that are probably the most centered and the most happy, which are hard to find at times, yeah. but the ones that are centered and happy tend to value people and experiences and relationships way more than they value money or status or any of that. It's the people that they interact with. It's the lives that they can touch, the the moments that they can share with people. You can't put a price on that. And that you know, in and of yourself is, is how you try to find success past, like looking at a bank account number. At some point you feel pretty good. You're at a, you know, you're at a place where, okay, I'm financially free. Well, now what? Right. And a lot of people don't think about what happens after the, you know, that now what, but if you, if you point yourself towards kind of, you know, mindset and you point yourself towards, uh, you know, not goals, but, but really like codes of living or, or morals and things like that. Then you start to realize like, okay, your work's never done, right? You're always trying to do more, help another person or whatever. That right there is the crux of it too, is because I, Jared, I had defined success with some very specific things in life. And, and those things were materialistic things. They were very, uh, career driven things. And that's what generates a midlife crisis when you, <laughs> when you hit that, right? Because your whole story and your whole identity is not rooted in something that is, is lasting, right? And, and that could be your legacy, right? So I think the big thing is if you are an action taker, if you are a high achiever, a peak performer, whether that's athlete, coach, entrepreneur, solopreneur, business owner, you name it, fighter pilot, you know, dentist, architect, like uh, airline pilot, I could go on. But if you're one of those types of people that wants to go somewhere in life, you're, you're creating your story one day at a time. And if your story, if you've defined your story, an end state to that story that isn't lasting, you're going to crash at the end of it. Unless your story is 
is basically wrapped around the idea that you're living your whole life story till the very last day, just when, you know, the day that you die, your story needs to roll on. So when you, when you achieve success, right? And I'm using the word achieve specifically because then it's over. What part of your story allows you to roll your feet out of bed and, and hit the ground in the morning and start running again? Because this life is not supposed to be, um, you know, you're not supposed to just be totally comfortable and peaceful and everything. I mean, those are all fun things, right? And you can, you, you need to have times to relax and do all that stuff, but there are gonna be days that really kind of suck. And if you view it as a, as part of the growing process and that's part of your story, that's what really is invigorating is that, Hey, what is your, what's your life story? And where, like, where do you want to go? And if you're asking yourself these questions and you're like, okay, if I achieve this success or how I've defined it, and then I go, well, what happens after that? And there isn't a very clear um, link to your next venture or your next uh, next part of your story, the next chapter. That link doesn't happen between that next chapter. You're setting yourself up for failure. I've done it myself, um, and you know you get to the end of that where you're you're looking at, oh, I achieved success, and then now you have this big crash, and you're like, well, that was a stupid story. I need to start writing a different story. Fate is a terrible author. So I need to write my own story. And that story needs to have chapters that link together. And I don't have to write all the chapters, but they do need to link together. And when I get done with the chapter, I need to reassess and continue writing the end of that book because it needs to link together all the way to the end. Otherwise you're going to have these, I've had them, these crashes where you're like, sweet, I made it. I'm financially free crash. And you're like, well, it wasn't rooted in the right. I was, I was free, but I wasn't free for the right thing. Yeah. I love that free free not freedom from freedom freedom for. That's a really interesting yep. concept. I could sit here and talk to you all day, Dom. I really appreciated you being here. Where <laughs> can people find you if they want to learn a little more about the single seat mindset and, and all the things you're doing? Right there, singleseatmindset.com. Uh, it had that we'll call that our launch pad. There's uh, offshoots to to everything there. You can hit the contact me button if you can't find what you're looking for and I'll point you in the right direction. But singleseatmindset.com. Yeah, what, what a treat. Let me get one last check on the turkey. Dom, if I could, I'd ship you some. Unfortunately, I don't know if it would be that good by the time I got there. Looking pretty good. I probably got another 20 minutes on these. Dom, thank you so much for being on the Slow Smoke Business Show and hopefully we can have you back soon in the future. Thanks, Jared. I, I uh, enjoyed it and this was definitely the most unique podcast appearance i've had good well at least we got something it's great to have you here thank you so much talk to you soon nailed it see ya